this episode of A Table at the Back. Today, it's just Branka and I, and we're talking about ethics in product design, and in particular, in our role as UX writers and content strategists. We'll talk about the addictiveness of apps, moral dilemmas with projects or companies we've worked for and with, and how we do things a little differently now that we have a bit more experience under our belts. We work through some sticky points together. You can literally hear our brain cogs turning as we speak, and we might raise more hard questions than we answer. But that's the whole point of this podcast after all. So let's jump in. Heads up, guys. Um, Just wanted to add a quick little note in here because we actually recorded this last year um, towards the end of 2019. So if you hear some talk about Christmas things or um, what we're doing in the new year, that will be why. All right. Enjoy. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little bit tired, but I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too shabby. Um, What have you been up to lately? Um, oh, look, not that much this week other than, um, I am a little bit excited. So I've been working on this like intimate Christmas party for, uh, I'm going to say solopreneurs, but really it's for like people from like the gig super community because, oh, do you know what? They're constantly time and time again like everything that I read and everything that I hear from people like who have communities you know of like mumpreneurs or solopreneurs or freelancers or photographers or whatever people who work on their own like one of the big things that that always comes up is like you know like it's lonely and I Mm -hmm. enjoy interaction and you know like while networking is a bit uncomfortable can be uncomfortable like I enjoy meeting other people and especially like you know, conferences and then, you know, when it comes to like Christmas parties and stuff. So because we've kind of been delayed, um, yeah, we just wanted to do something nice, but we're limited with budget. So I've kind of had to be a bit selective, which is good and bad. Um, But it's funny because when I kind of went to put it down, I was like, oh, hang on that person's not in Melbourne, that person's not in Melbourne, that person's not in Melbourne. So then it kind of ended up being, you know, it ends, yeah, it's a, it's a small group, um, but it's, it's coming together. I've just got to hear back from a couple more people and then hopefully that'll be an opportunity also for those people to like meet Pete and Marty and also for Pete and Marty to meet everybody who I've been talking to. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I know everyone and I know people's stories. And so when it comes to like communication and stuff, like I know exactly who I'm talking to, whereas they are a little bit detached from that. So is it kind of like um, collaborators or like potential clients or customers or a bit of a mix? A bit of a mix. I think it's, it's just people who have been in the community and, have supported us in one way or another, like whether it's, you know, whether it's so from sister scout who like we've done events with or Tony from to a T or like, you know, people that just like have sent messages or even just communicated about like, just yeah. All sorts really like. Just the support. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. It's at Madame Brussels, which is like, Got a little, like a rooftop like bar and fancy Melbourne places. Yeah, look, 
and I say that and I probably know the least out of anyone like because <laughs> actually it wasn't my suggestion it was Pete's suggestion <laughs> that's, that's I don't fine. know I'm so, and I went with it and everybody who I've like said oh it's gonna be at Madame Brussels they're like oh how cool love that place and I'm like I'm literally I think I'm the only person who doesn't know what the place <laughs> is like but everyone else seems to love it so Oh, you'll get to go now and be one of those people. I hope so. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah. And this uh, and, Christmas party. And I think by the time that this airs, that might actually have been over. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're so onto it. This yeah. season. Just so well prepared. <laughs> good season. Good season. Um, what have you been up to? Um, well, I'm planning out Christmas and New Year stuff, but like, not in a fun way because it's just me that works here. So my husband and I usually go out for a drink and I'm like, you know, Laura Luck copywriter's got this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. See? See? Solo finesse. <laughs> yes. Well, it'll be good because like the last two times, you know, like I was pregnant or yeah. had a new baby. So it was like not that exciting. Um, not that I like get lit or anything. <laughs> but I'm just, um, I bought like, a 2020 wall planner so I'm just like trying to be strategic about things like travel and workload and that kind of thing for the first quarter of next year so I feel pretty organized I was gonna say how's that going like yeah good like um just deciding what kind of conferences I want to go to and what's gonna be more beneficial and like not too far away and um all that fun things that I'll get like the most out of Oh, um, that's good. Yeah. So if anyone knows any good like UX writing or UX design conferences coming up, please let me know because I'm putting every everything on my radar. Um, yeah. Other than that, I've just been working on the UX Writers Collective who are actually doing a conference. So I do know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working with them um, to create that curate a newsletter that goes out weekly um, to their subscribers. I'll put the um, subscription link in the show notes because I know lots of people might be interested in that um and that's um that's headed up by a couple of different people including Patrick who we had on yes the podcast before yes they're a bunch of like really good humans and really good writers so I'm pretty chuffed to be working with them that's so cool yeah um so where that's kind of a great way for me to stay up to date on industry news and like creative writing news as well because it kind of include a lot of different things of like design as well um and also jobs in this field because like we've said before it's kind of new in Australia so it's nice to see what is out there for one and also what's out there in the world as well so we can kind of up level our own skills and um what businesses are looking for in Australia um and we're actually posting them on our Instagram. Hey, yeah. Do a little graphic. Yeah. It was so much fun to do. Also like kudos to Canva for yeah. having such a great job description. Yeah. It was so good. Wasn't it? And that randomly like popped up in front of us and we were like, wow. Yeah. I tell you what, I felt, I filed that one away for like, and I'll be needing a person yes. like that one day. <laughs> And well, I, I don't want to have to think about what to write. I know, just copy paste their um, job description. <laughs> it was um, a great, it was a great, like it was a great job. If I was in Sydney, I'd be like, ooh. 
I would be there so quick. I'd probably be waiting before the doors opened. Um, but lots of people on our Instagram community liked it. We saw some insights of people saving it. And yeah. It's sure. actually, I think that's the ratio of like, like to save. That's by far the best. Yes. Post, like outperformed anything else, including, including that Enneagram 2. Keanu uh, <laughs> <laughs> Reeves. Oh gosh. Yeah. So the totally, you know, tangent as we do, but Keanu Reeves is our spirit animal, I think. <laughs> he's, he's so like sad and quiet, but then also like comes out happy. And he's actually got a new girlfriend, which made like all these headlines. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's like age appropriate. Oh, he's beautiful. I think he's beautiful. I love I, him. I, I, I really he'd be, do. He's he so kind. Like he just is. as a person. Yeah. He is, you know, he like, he like secretly donated to hospitals because he didn't want it to be in the news. Aww. Do you know? Yeah. No. Like, because he was like, I, I don't want to donate for it to be in the news. Like, I just wanted to donate to these hospitals. And then it like leaked. I don't know how it leaked, but like it leaked. And he was like, oh. And then, all, you know, everybody covered it. And he was like, this wasn't the point. He yeah. is a, re- yeah. He's had a really like tragic life. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have read about that. Yeah. Anyway, total tangent. But like, <laughs> we love Keanu Reeves. <laughs> oh, so good. The Matrix is like one of my favorite movies. <laughs> anyway, yes. that was a tangent if ever I've heard one. <laughs> what are we talking about today that isn't Keanu Reeves? That is, <laughs> well, not much. No, no, kidding. Um, well, we're going to cover. Um, ethics and morality in product design and UX writing, which, Ooh, yeah, which, which is a real, um, yeah. So in preparation for this, <laughs> it's a real what spicy topic for today. <laughs> I was going to say spicy topic. I was going to say more like it, it's a, it's a bit of a mind bending topic, really. Like, mm, it, and it is. we, I was going to say in preparation for it, you know, we, I think we've come up with a lot of questions and not necessarily that many answers but but hopefully it makes for an interesting discussion it would be so good to hear people's um thoughts and feedback Mm. on this one so yeah and I guess the the main reason we wanted to talk about it is just so that people start thinking about this kind of thing because it is something that you kind of come across by accident sometimes and sometimes it's too late like I think I only started realizing that we have such a responsibility with the design of products and services um, or digital products, I guess. Um, after I'd worked in-house and seen some things, oh, well, maybe that wasn't the best way to go about it. Um, yeah. 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 And I and I kind of, you know, wonder whether, because I, I, I am exactly the same, and I wonder whether it's, it's a, at the beginning maybe, and, you know, there are definitely people in um not so senior roles that have um quicker uptake on things or mm. more of a more of a um willingness to speak their mind or whatever but i think for me uh, you know in the beginning i probably didn't notice because i was you know working on developing my skills and my craft yeah. and stuff and then you kind of get to a point and you're like oh whoa hang on now that I know all of that stuff and you kind of look at it from a bigger picture, it, it, yeah, you start to notice things and, you know, Mm. sometimes perhaps find yourself in situations where you go, Oh, okay, well maybe this 
isn't necessarily aligned with my ethics or morals or you know yeah but it it happens and and that's okay I think I definitely agree when you're starting out you're kind of just enamored with the work and you're happy to do the work and you're in it and you're living it and you're like yo I'm just coming to work and I'm doing a good job and um, I'm really pumped with all these new skills I'm learning and then it's the same with anything like you grow up and you can kind of look at it from a bigger picture and with a bit of like a 2020 vision and you're like, yeah. oh, hang on, this is maybe I would do things a bit differently this time. And this discussion, I think, well, I was inspired by this Twitter thread that I was reading from a designer based in Silicon Valley. I think she's freelance now working for a different company. She was ex Lyft, you know, the ride sharing oh, app. Yeah. Um, but she was kind of calling out Facebook designers for the new news tab or whatever it is. So it's basically Facebook is showing you the news that they think you will like and it's based on an algorithm and a bunch of journalists who are paid by Facebook to curate curate this, I don't know, news function. Okay. And Sorry, so she, I, I'm not familiar. Like I actually am not that familiar with Facebook. So is it no, like when you log in? <laughs> huh? So, yeah, it's basically a tab on, I think, so I'm not sure if it's rolled out in Australia yet. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's a tab on the left and it's just like Facebook news and they're showing oh, you. Okay. So not like news shoving articles. news in between. Well, I don't know. Oh, maybe. I think, I think I so. I, I work need, on I mobile. Probably, I probably should have looked at this in more depth about the actual product. Oh, the actual but, like rollout um, of what's happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Picture. But I think, I think why it's interesting is because these designers are being called out by other designers saying, Hey, why aren't you putting up your hand saying this isn't ethical or the way that Facebook works isn't ethical. How can you, you know, with all the um, Cambridge Analytica stuff and data and what, what are they collecting this data for and what are they doing with it and all that kind of thing. Um, And anyway, people were just like going crazy in the comments saying, yeah, but what about this company? What about this company? You can't blame Facebook designers. They're just, wanting their job and then other people are like yeah but they can have a choice about where they work and then it's just this whole debate around how what is our responsibility as content designers or UX writers product designers like yeah or anybody who's working on 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 building products yeah for humans so that's where it kind of started from and I know you have a lot of great examples as well <laughs> where yeah you kind of went through this existential crisis yeah well yes yes we did kind of go through <laughs> this crisis well and funnily enough when um you know when you said to me oh you know we should cover this topic I was like yes we should cover that topic because I just remember like at that moment thinking about a year ago like I came across all this stuff that was that I just found so fascinating to do with exactly this and especially there's this one article which um which I said oh and it only really took me about five minutes to dig it up I I couldn't remember where I'd saved it but I was like (laughs) I know I saved it somewhere and funnily enough it wasn't on Facebook I go on Facebook very much but um yeah so it's so it's this guy called Tristan Harris who used to work for Google as a design now I don't know if to pronounce this word properly ethicist yes that's <laughs> yes <it. laughs> I was like 
sounds like exorcism. Um, <laughs> well, 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 yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, just like when I told you about it, like, so Google has des- like people who are in charge of ethical design. Mm. And we discussed like, is that, was that like a proactive hire or was that like uh, chicken or egg? Yeah. Which would be really interesting to know. I actually don't know that. And I don't know if he has ever covered that, but basically he used to work for Google as a design ethicist. And and then he left Google to um, start, I think at the time it was called time well spent. Mm. And I think now it's called, um, Center for Humane Technology. I think it's changed its name in the meantime. But yeah, basically, I think that's what came up. Yeah. So he wrote it. this article called How Tech is Hijacking Your Mind. And he went through like these 10 really great examples, like 10 just in that article. <laughs> mm. Really great examples. We will link to the article, but I thought maybe it was worth just going through them super quickly, just as like a Okay, this is this is some of the stuff that like we're you, referring to. We're referring to and that you should be thinking about regardless of whether you're a writer or a designer or a project manager or what it like if you're building like you said if you're building tech for humans and if you're doing it especially if you're doing it to um mold habits or build mm-hmm. habits or you know then it's definitely stuff you should probably be thinking about. And even if you're not in that if you're not creating products like being mindful about it if you're a user like yes it yes, helps absolutely. so much to separate yourself from the I don't know what do they call it slot machine in your pocket yeah yeah so that's it's addictive hijack that's number two yeah sorry <laughs> No, no. Got ahead of myself. No. Well, yeah, I'm going to go. Well, I'll go straight to hijack go number them. two. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, hijack number one is um, if you control the menu, you control the choices. Just- this one was so interesting to me because I didn't even think about it. Really? Like I hadn't even thought about what we see on menus. Yeah. It was put there by somebody. Like it's not an infinite choice. And I just... I don't know. Yeah. For some reason, that blew my mind. Like, and I'm the one who writes menus. Yeah, yeah. And and you're you're also the one who knows that less choice equals better results as well. Yes. Like yes. eliminates analysis paralysis. So you're like, yeah. I know, I know. It's and that and that's you know something like that is a, a sign of how much you sort of go into autopilot sometimes on these things mm-hmm. and don't really consider them. So anyway, that's hijack number one. Hijack number two is, yeah, putting a slot machine in billions of pockets and basically, you know, he refers to um, like the instant rewards of social media with mm-hmm. things like likes and, you know, just general. The red notifications. Notifications. Yeah, exactly. I've deleted <laughs> pop-up notifications from everything on my phone. Oh, yeah, and I, I never turn them on. Which is why I sometimes miss, you know, I have, um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but like some, we have a group of mums from school and everybody's on messenger and I am always forever late to conversations. Like <laughs> every time I log in, there's always like 20 plus messages. Cause I think 20 is the max before they go. We're not going to tell you how many more, and yeah, I, yeah. but, but I have and the reason for that is because I have all my notifications turned off because one, 
I work with social media as well. So it's like, I do, I can't, what, what you on earth? physically be doing it all the time. You no. And I don't want that little slot machine. I don't want to be like, well, yeah. hijack number three, fear of missing something important. Mm-hmm. So this is something I struggle with, like living away from my family and friends in a different state. I just like, I'm stressed about deleting completely social media apps, which I would love to do in an ideal situation. Yes. I'm scared of missing something important. Yeah. And, and that's hard, right? Mm. I mean, look, I say that's hard now in this day and age, but before we even had mobile phones, it wasn't that hard. I know, I like know. it wasn't that hard. It was fine. I was like 10. <laughs> <laughs> I was 17, I think. I'm not that much older. That makes no, it sound no. like I'm like that much older. Than you. But I think I was 17 when I got my first phone. And that was like, that was my first phone. That was like one of those Nokia brick phones. Oh, that, yeah. I was yeah. like, I was like 14 when I got my first phone. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Okay, that's better. That's a better <laughs> age adjustment. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway. Um, hijack number four, social approval. Hijack number five, social reciprocity. So this is an interesting one because yeah. that's something that we do. We are taught as copywriters to just reciprocity in general. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. as, and as Enneagram too. Um, yeah. oh, no, we're that, not taught that we're born with that. <laughs> but that, um, that reciprocity is taught in Cialdini's book. Yes. It's like one of the first things. Um, yeah. And a lot of psychology backed kind of, teachings I guess is yeah is that whole thing as well so that's an interesting one that it's like a bad thing well look the, I guess it's how you use it though right it's how you yeah and like the things he lists isn't you know I mean the article is you know goes towards like this is how it hijacks and mm. how it's perhaps not being used in the most moral or best way or but at the end of the day, it, it, it's not saying get rid of it completely. It, it again, is going to come back to, oh, it's going to come back to perspective as well, which yeah. I think is the other thing. And willpower, which is yeah. something I don't well, have a lot of. No, I'm, but I meant more, I meant more perspective internally from a company or a team mm. or whoever is, maybe not a company team maybe maybe an individual who is building technology do you know what i mean but it's it's going to come back to well how much do i how much do i think this will anyway we'll get to that a bit later on about like you know building um habits and stuff but yeah how much of this do i use and where is that line and again everybody's different yeah so, exactly um but yeah that's hijack number 5 hijack number 6 Oh, bottomless bowl, infinite feeds and autoplay. I, I hate, if there is I anything. I hate autoplay. Oh, I hate infinite feeds. Nothing drives mm-hmm. me more insane than an infinite feed. Yeah. Because I'm like, at that point, I'm like, nah, this that is. Was, that was actually one of the things that came up in a recent article I read about as well was that, you know, we have control over this as well. Designers have control over this. They can put an end. Yes. They just don't want to. No. And, and I guess that's where that's, and that's the kind of thing, right? Like where where you start drawing lines or you, or you don't 
draw any lines. Yeah. And it comes, a lot of it does come back to, and we probably should get into this a bit later, but I'm going to say it now just in case I forget, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which tends to happen. Um, You know, these designers are working and for money, it's their job, but also the managers and KPIs that they're trying to hit is based a lot on this engagement and time spent. It's like currency in these products. So that's kind of where this infinite feeds goes. Well, all of this, all of this, like, yeah, yeah, like that's why this Tristan Harris guy, like his big thing is like, you know, time is such a precious currency and we need to treat it as such Mm. and respect users rather than manipulate them and that's where you know i think that's where as a design ethicist he may or may not have had issues yeah well it seems like he does (laughs) yes um yes so booter infinite feeds Ugh, yuck um i checked number eight uh are we missing seven oh yeah i'm Oh, yeah, I'm probably missing seven. Anyway, seven is in the article, so go read the article. <laughs> we did this on purpose. <laughs> this, is, this was totally meant to happen. Yeah, I am missing seven. But it's in there. It's probably excellent because I do not remember it off the top of my head. Um, number eight, though, is bundling your reasons with their reasons, like with the user's reasons. And um, basically, he, he gives a really great example of how I think two of the two of the biggest reasons that people go to a grocery like to to a grocery store is to get milk or to get like meds, you know, like panadols and, mm. and things. And so, um, you know, gr- like supermarkets know this, and so they stick the milk and that stuff like at the back of the store, so that you have to go through all this other stuff and like you know maybe pick up a special on the way or be like oh yeah and I'll grab some chocolate or whatever. But basically, bundling your reasons what you want the user to do with what they're actually trying to achieve Mm -hmm. and this was the one where I was a bit like because you know they give examples of like (laughs) there's one that has like take you know take start survey is the call to action or you know start this 15 minute survey with three pages which is what it actually is like if you were telling the user you know what they actually wanted to hear and this is and and this is perhaps one where that i think is quite difficult to put some kind of clear oh well that's that's good well, all of them are like right difficult or wrong. to put right or wrong on mm. but except infinite fees boo <laughs> yeah <laughs> we really have a strong reaction to that one <laughs> um but yeah but this one is quite tricky because yeah, I mean, they all are. But anyway, I found this one quite interesting. Um, but I'm not going to go into it any further because it's a story for another day. Hijack number nine is inconvenient <laughs> choices. Things like, you know, making unsubscribe links impossibly difficult and, you know, things like that, which, oh, yuck. Yeah. Um, and hijack number 10, forecasting errors and foot in the door strategies. Actually, maybe this was the... Maybe this was the survey one. I don't know. I can't remember. But basically the article is excellent. And if you do anything to educate yourself a little bit, like if you haven't thought about this stuff before and you want to dig in a little bit, this is absolutely the article I'd recommend. Yeah, it's a good one. 
yeah, forgetting into just being like, oh, wow, just open up your mind to, you know, like you said, even as a user, even if that's not part of your job, just assessing how businesses do it. And and I think just being mindful about it as well. Like we've all seen the Apple, like when we get updates to our phones and stuff and it's like, just agree, agree, agree. <laughs> like I don't want to read it. But who knows, I could be signing my life away on my firstborn. Like... Yeah. you don't know and I think there's a South Park episode about this oh really from memory yeah and it's pretty funny or I wouldn't want to bury important information for a customer in a whole bunch of legal text because they're not going to read it and it's just being mindful about those little things um but yeah but I guess the question that we need to pose now is like what are the responsibilities of a writer like you or I in this like how much say do we have and how much agency do we have about what goes into the end product yeah yeah mm. i mean that <laughs> again that is why we preface like this episode with you know we have a lot of questions we don't necessarily yeah. have a lot of answers all we can do is ponder it at this point <laughs> and take take it as it comes in our own day-to-day work Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's definitely going to be times when you're going to stand up for stuff and times when you yourself might be like, especially, especially because you and I have also both, you know, done a lot of work and training in conversion optimization and psychology and direct response and, Mm. you know, all of that kind of stuff, which, you know, I was thinking about the other day it, and they're such valuable skills to have. And I, and I definitely, you know, oh, enjoyed so that yeah. part of it and stuff, but I wonder whether, and this is going to sound crazy, but I wonder whether as Enneagram twos, we were always destined to end up in customer experience. <laughs> yeah. I think about that often actually. I, yeah. Me too. Now that I'm like more getting into understanding myself as well Mm. from like a personal slash professional level I just you know the whole like empathy like real empathy with the customer yeah this is this is why we started this conversation (laughs) exactly and we like you said we did do the conversion optimization stuff and the direct response and we read a a shit ton of psychology yeah. books, especially when we started working together. I think you actually gave me some of the books. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. May yeah. have fed that beast. Yep. <laughs> and I think it's, I do think it's worthwhile knowing this stuff um, as a marketer, Absolutely. like hundred percent. But then, yeah, it's what you do with that information and how you can actually use it to better your UX writing or CX. Um, yeah. Because you know that other side of it now. It's better to know this stuff and then make an informed decision or analyze and kind of take a step back and be like, okay, well, now I'm seeing it from the business point of view and then the user's point of view. And now I can make an informed decision. Yeah. And essentially, that's what we do. We match up these two goals. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, like I said, this year, uh, I've been doing more I don't really know whether to call it personal slash professional development because it's both it is a hundred percent both like 
understanding myself and then understanding how that fits into the bigger picture of when you're so closely (laughs) when they're so closely intertwined yes it is a big work is a big part of our personalities and there's nothing wrong with that like we discussed (laughs) like we discussed in that really popular episode (laughs) so it's hard to have two separate yeah people (laughs) yeah no it is absolutely and so I think yeah as I've kind of done that and part of um my work with Amy, who we've mentioned before from craft coaching and development, like one of the things that came out for me was, um, you know, part of like my, like purpose statement, as I looked back across what I did and, you know, what I, what I want to do going forward, you know, part of mine is I, I work with change making do-gooders. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and we care about the people that we serve. And I think that those two things are so important to me and, and such a clearer guiding light for me in terms of where I want to work, what I want to do, the projects that I want to be part of and all of that. And then you probably have that um, backing and like power in yourself to say and put your hand up if something doesn't feel right and you want to change something in a product because it's not serving the greater good yeah absolutely and we and and you know we've talked about in the past i think there's (laughs) where it's all well and good to attack businesses and be like oh you shouldn't be doing this but like (laughs) we've both been part of projects before where you in order to be able to achieve something that you believe is good and is going to, you know, make good changes and um, what's it called? Contributions mm-hmm. <laughs> to people and the world. Like sometimes you need to make money and sometimes that road oh, is yeah. a bit longer than, you know, it might look from the outside. And so it's, you know, being a consumer and also being part of like building things like that. Like I'm all, I, I, I'm much, much slower to judge and, and, and make comments on, oh, well, they should be doing this because actually that stuff takes time and effort and, mm-hmm. and money. It takes resources. And sometimes it takes learning lessons to be able yeah. to make things better. Absolutely. Um, and I do, I do firmly believe that. And I, I don't regret working on some projects like that I did in the past. Like I'm actually really grateful to be able to learn that stuff and then apply it differently next time yes which is so fine like isn't that what what we do like we learn and we experiment and we test and then we learn again and absolutely you know the older I get and the more experience I get I'm the more comfortable I am in speaking up um sooner and being involved in projects from the start and saying hey what about this or why don't we try it this way um and being an advocate for the customer in those scenarios as well, because, and that's part of why I wanted to do this podcast as well as educating people about the role of UX writers and why they do need a seat at the table at the back. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Um, Nice. In these these initial discussions (laughs) and design meetings. I love that little sound. Um, Yeah. And, what can people sort of 
do to take away and um, implement in their own work and lives and stuff. And I think um, one of the things is we've mentioned the Center for Humane Technology um, that Tristan Harris, I'm not sure if he's, uh, he started it. I'm not sure if he started it alone or maybe he started it with someone. Anyway, not the point. The point is we will link to it in the show notes, but you know, basically they have this line that says, while we've been upgrading our technology, we've been downgrading humanity. And it's all about, it is all about everything we've talked about in terms of where do we fit in and how, um, how is technology changing us and what is driving whom? And there's this, they have a good, um, they have lots of good resources and stuff on there, but there's a page called get involved. And I have to, I just have to read this out because, uh, because I love this, but um, so basically it says uh, we at um we at the Center for Humane Technology are building those relationships as quickly and meaningfully as possible. They're talking about human relationships. Talk to people about the way that human downgrading shows up in your work, your families, and in communities you care about. Share the tools and strategies that help you to resist it. Together, we can change the way technology is built. And I think that's just such a good that was summary. So, yeah, so powerful though as well. Yeah, there's so much more on there. Like that's really worth visiting that link. But it's such a good summary around it, it, it starts with being aware of it and then talking about it. And then if it's part of your work, making those changes or even, like you said, even if it's not part of your work, getting involved or speaking up or, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I think that's probably a good, um, a good place to start. And I also have to mention, um, I have to mention the book Hooked by again, why do I always get these names that I struggle to pronounce? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, you should know it's like the one with the yellow cover and (laughs) it's really (laughs) popular. It's a super, super popular book, book, but it is all about, um, habit forming. Mm, that's and interesting. It, it is really, really interesting. And basically he breaks it down into like this infinite loop and the, the things that you've got to do um, to try and like, well, to, to build products that form habits. Um, really good book. I read it ages ago, but it is long. And if you're like, oh, just kind of what's it about? We will also link to... Um, this site called Designly and they've got this really short article about the manipulation matrix of ethical behavior design, which is what Nia covers in the book Hooked. And I'll just super quickly like talk you through it. So basically it just breaks down. There's this matrix where um, on the side you've got um, does not improve the user's life or materially improves the user's life. So like what the product is doing and then down the bottom, like on the um, X, which one's the Y? No, that was the X. Y axis. I'm like going back to maths (laughs) on the the horizontal one. It's got um, the maker does not use it. And then the maker does use it. And basically it breaks it down into like, so the product that you're building falls into like, it's either like the target, which is what we all want to be building, which is products that improve the user's life and we as the maker would use them like that's the ultimate Mm -hmm. like that's Mm -hmm. what we should be building 
Um, then there is um, improves the user's life, but the maker wouldn't use it. So it's like potentially off base, but you know, it's still fine. Like it's still, you might, you know, you might not be the target audience, but you understand the target audience. And I think they sort of cover how you should, that's where you should do a lot of user like research and interviews and stuff to really, really understand the user. So you don't miss the mark because if you wouldn't use it, then yeah, you need like those extra insights. Mm. Um, then there's the entertainer, the product that, that um, the maker would use it, but it doesn't, really improve lives and that's like, fine <laughs> i'm like where does netflix fit in there <laughs> <laughs> i think it's a good question <laughs> well you use it so oh i use does, it and i enjoy it improve lives i guess it depends what you're watching <laughs> are you watching docos <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's a good that that is a good question um, but and finally, there's the dealer. <laughs> the it just dealer. sounds bad. <laughs> it sounds so seedy. But basically, <laughs> it's a product that does not improve lives, and the maker would not use it. Like so, basically, it's shit. It's unethical. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't build those products. <laughs> that's so handy. Like that's that's a really good resource to have, just to yes. like match it up against. It's, it's just such a, like, quick reference, such a quick reference. Yeah, and, like, it's also if you've got, a say, an entertainer, like, what can you do or add or build Yeah, to move it up the, to up the, the target. scale, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. So it's also good for, like, striving for better things. That's true. Hmm. I had not thought of it like that, but, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's just me, the eternal optimist. <laughs> Um, oh, that's some good resources for me. Like the thing I, I've started thinking about personally, and I think most writers can probably start thinking about or founders. Well, that sounded really broken. Founders (laughs) um, can start thinking about is the idea of purposefully adding in friction to the product. So Mm -hmm. for example, um, that could be an additional step. I saw it recently. I can't remember what the app was, but um, I think it was Slack or something. Google maybe. Yeah, I think it was Google. Um, You know, when you're booking, yes, now I remember what it is. Um, When you're booking a hotel room on Google and they added an extra step because people freaked out. Like if I press this button, is it just going to automatically book this hotel room? Just adding an extra step, you know, check availability first. And they saw engagement levels go up amazing levels. Oh. this one thing um and it's basically just so the user or the customer feels more mindful and that like they're not being overwhelmed with these rash decisions oh, um, i thought you were going to say overwhelmed with ease <laughs> oh <laughs> no but basically that's what it is it's making it less easy to do yes. things purposefully like they, they could remove that step and make it quicker um because there's this rule in ux like that things should only take three clicks to get you yeah. where you want to go, but it's actually, you know, in that case, making it four clicks or something like that. Um, yeah. yeah. But that's interesting because I've heard before on um, uh, Forrester CX cast, I've heard them talk quite actually not, not once, but more than, more than once because it's really stuck out to me. 
this exact topic, adding friction, but adding, but, but it was a bit of a different angle. It was about adding friction, um, to, to experiences that are too smooth because then the user doesn't, doesn't have as great an experience as if they had had a little bit of friction, overcome it and then come out smoothly to the end. And then like, remember that, you know, remember, cause you know how, like when you have a good experience at the end, that's what you remember. Mm. So it was a bit of a different angle, but it was about adding friction in when, when, when an experience is too smooth. Oh, so making yeah. it feel more valuable. It, well, yeah. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. Is I that ethical? Maybe, <laughs> maybe it comes, maybe it comes back to like the whole story narrative thing where, you know, you've got to reach the climax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's <laughs> a great and word. Then, and then, you know, come back down again and then finish. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> <laughs> boom. Oh, it's <laughs> I'm so leaving that in. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, interesting. Interesting yeah. that we both sort of heard about it. But, yeah, but from two different kind of angles. But, yeah, no, that's a good that, – that's definitely a good one too to think about in terms of what you could be doing. But um, look, for the first time ever, I want to say, yay, pop culture section, but we don't really have much pop culture this week. We're really boring. We're so serious. We are so serious. (laughs) We really got into it. I think this got us a little bit like the, um, you know, is is work Mm. self-care. This really got us thinking and and questioning and and conversing. (laughs) Yeah. And like I was saying to you before, it's kind of, like us working it out in the process. So I don't know if people can hear like our brains <laughs> ticking over as we're kind of like voicing it. This is all real time. Like where do we end up after discussing these things? Yeah. And, but that is the whole, that's the point of, you know, well, all the theme of our podcast and our, yeah. our podcast is about having a conversation at a table. Exactly. Like, like this is literally what we'd be doing sitting in a cafe and and so you know watch this space maybe we figure some stuff out <laughs> we get in that the episodes same down the track yeah and i and think so yeah but with all my strategic calendar planning oh yes yes 2020 tell <laughs> <laughs> you um so what have you been watching and listening to that isn't pop culture that isn't yeah i've zero pop culture this week i've been flat out with like you know, my youngest start school next year. So there's been like school meetings and things like that. So, but I have, um, I have started a new podcast. It's called, it's all just a bunch of BS and the BS refers to behavioral science, (laughs) which I actually, I, I don't know if I started listening. No, I didn't start listening to it because of what we were going to talk about. I started listening to it because somewhere I had come across the information that Matt wallet was going to be on it and he oh he's this guy that like probably for the past two years I've I don't know maybe had a work crush on I don't know I just I I don't know I I just find him so inspirational and he is basically like a behavioral scientist who a lot of behavioral scientists are still academics and they still sit in academia. And he really pushes this like movement for getting more behavioral scientists out into the wild, 
<laughs> um, like into businesses to, you know, to help to be with around things. behavior. Well, yeah. His thing is more around like to, you know, steer things in a good direction. Mm. <laughs> um, not to get more behavioral scientists out there to manipulate behavior. Um, but he's just, he's really, he's really fascinating. He, um, he's also really into empowering women. Like he's all about empowering women. And one of the things that like, I don't know, like 18 months ago was the first time I heard about it. He built this thing called salary or equity, which we will also link to in the show notes. And it's Mm -hmm. basically like women in tech, women who go into like startups and stuff more so in the U S than here, but also applies really across the world. Um, Oftentimes they're offered like, you know, the, oh, we'll give you equity. Like, obviously like we'll also give you a salary, but like, we'll give you equity. And then that will, those two things together will, will build up to, you know, where, what you should be paid because mm-hmm. we're a startup, blah, 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 all that stuff. And quite often for, for women, like there's just less literacy around that stuff. So, so he basically was part of building this like calculator thing where you go on and you enter in all the details because often you'll get a letter saying like what the equity looks like Mm. and you sell it and you just like go in and enter the details and it helps you work out what's like what it all is. And then you can make an informed decision about like what's actually better for you and are you getting stinged and all that sort of stuff so I just I was like that is so that's so interesting because I've actually I've been offered this there you go and I wish I had this I yeah well now you do and now salary or (laughs) (laughs) equity.com anyway so I heard he was going to be on it and so I was like oh what's this new and um podcast and then they've really only just started like I think they've only released the seventh one or something um he was number four really great it's it's just all about behavioral science which I have always found super super fascinating again I'm now attributing that to my Enneagram too (laughs) personality that is like I just want to know how I can help you I need to understand you so that I can understand how I can help you. That is, I think that's what my being boils down to. I love, do you, when you listen to podcasts, can you listen to them while you're working? Like, no, no, I can't. Yeah. I was going to say like, especially work related podcasts, oh. I can't listen to while I'm actually working. No. It's really tough. I can't really listen to like talking and take it in while I'm working. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah. That's what I've been listening to. And episode number six, which coincidentally I started listening to like, maybe like after we decided we were going to do this is, is um, all it's called humans design products or products design humans. And it's this conversation. Oh, but like, wow between the host and um, a guy called Samuel Salzer. It, it's, it's, it, it's super, super interesting. Oh, maybe I should have listened to it before we recorded no. this one. Well, there's plenty of time. You and everybody else listening um, <laughs> can go Catch listen up. to it. But, um, I, I mean, funnily enough, it touches on, on, on Facebook and because, you know, with this whole, like, news feed stuff. I don't know whether they mentioned the newsfeed stuff, but it does touch on how um, basically 
they, and I think it was time well spent, did a collaboration with an app called moment or something that measures app ratings. And when people used Facebook, they were 64% unhappy, but when they used messenger, it like the happiness went through the roof and it was all about how like, yeah. And so he was discussing, um, Samuel was discussing how like, you know, it, it, it's all about like getting sucked into Facebook and everything that that behavioral design kind of leads you down the path of versus messenger where there isn't ads and things that you're bombarded with. And you're just like spending time with friends. And cause I think also like podcasts and email, I, I can't remember like, but all these, actually, I think that if you go um, to the center for humane technology, somewhere in the resources, you can find it. And it's like, yeah, these, these were the apps that that um, people found. What's it called? Um, satisfying. Is satisfying mm, the word. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these were the ones that like sucked because I think Snapchat is another one where people weren't happy, and actually Instagram as well. I yeah, I was going to say Instagram probably people don't feel that happy. Yeah, <laughs> but like you know, apps like Headspace and yes. podcasts and Kindle and those like those things were through the roof happiness like yeah which is yeah I think it probably does come down to that like comparison thing as well yeah anyway I have babbled on about that but (laughs) we'll link to a lot of that stuff in the show notes if you're interested to explore it but what have you been listening to this not pop culture (laughs) um I watched this really good video by Eric Wong um it's just a YouTube video he's a UX writer at Google and he was the one who was talking about that um, adding friction thing. Oh, okay. Um, And I don't know, it just, I I watched it and then I felt really pumped about what I do for work. And I'm just like, yeah, I am in the right job. Um, And I just like, yeah. And it just, it was really interesting as well. The way he was talking about like justification for word choices and the power of language in app design and their process and like kind of insider examples and that kind of thing, which I always find so interesting, especially with Google, because, mm. you know, we could argue and say that they were probably the pinnacle of like apps and like to work for. Yeah. Um, oh, who, yeah. Like, I don't, yeah, I think who in like, tech would be like, well, actually maybe their design ethicist would be like, I don't regret working for Google. I was going to say, who's going to say, I regret working for Google. Maybe that guy. But well, I just like, I'm so fangirl because I remember going to the Sydney office once and I just walked in and I was like, oh, I'm going to live here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so anything they do, I just find it's, well, their, their principles are like clear, concise and useful or something like that. So um, anything, any presentation that they do, it's really easily digested. And then it's also just really insightful. So mm. yeah, I put the link there. Uh, they know what they're doing. Like at oh. the end of the day, 100%. Oh. And the guy was just like really likable. And, you know, they obviously found someone who was very good speaker as well. So yeah, I really, I really liked it. I have no doubt they train their people for, oh, well. Yeah, for all sorts of like, including so I, I meant you know for speaking, but like for all yeah. for all um all aspects of what they do. But yeah, okay, I'll have to I'll have to watch it. 
yeah, have a look. Um, and then well, I haven't really been reading a book this week. I just had too much to do. So I didn't do that. I've been watching, <laughs> here's a pop culture for you. Um, I just binged like the newest season of Outlander <laughs> on I have Netflix. never seen that show and I hear everyone talk about it and talk about it with such passion. <laughs> it's, um, let's just say it's like crack for housewives. Uh. <laughs> No, it's, I like it. Um, it's easy to watch. Yeah, okay. It's Maybe. just like fiction, you know. Do you watch it with your husband or alone? No, God, no, he cannot stand it. <laughs> He's like, why are you watching this? I'm like, wow, it's just so interesting. He's like, what's the storyline? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Look, Jamie's getting his shirt off again. It's fine. <laughs> Gold, okay. No, May. Love a Scottish accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. May have to uh, watch myself from Outland. <laughs> <laughs> Highly recommend the first season's the best. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah, thanks for having this chat. I know it was a bit, I don't know, not intense, but it's a lot to take in. Um, so I'd yeah. be interested to see what people like think of it. And if you have questions, like shoot them to us. Like we would love to talk about this stuff some more. Yes. Absolutely. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for being here. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. Thanks so much for sitting at the table at the back with us. If you like this episode, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Talk to you again soon. Bye.